Saints podcast presented by CE for Friday, January 22nd. I'm Carolyn Gonzalez, joined by my co-host, John DeShazer, senior writer for NewOrleansSaints.com. And welcoming on today's show, we have NFL Network reporter Jane Slater. Jane, how you doing today? Doing so good. Good to see you guys. I think you and I were talking ahead of this podcast. It felt like this game was two months ago and it was the beginning of the week. In fact, I apologize that I'm a day late on this. We had agreed to do this yesterday, but I had flown home on Monday, so it just completely messed up my week. I mean, I feel like I've been in a fog since that game. Listen, no one knows what day it is, what year it is anymore. I feel like I'm still saying it's 2020, it's 2021. Nobody knows time. Time is a construct, and everyone is just fumbling around trying to figure out their lives, so it's completely fine. Um, Jane, you posted on Instagram, and someone who has a TikTok and has been sucked into that world. I saw that you were skating around your apartment. You had your light up rollerblades. I need to know the story behind why you got those and uh, everything that went into you uh, getting rollerblades. I love this question to start. Like, this is a good journalist. Break the ice before we get into sports, make them feel comfortable, <laughs> talk to them about the things that they love. Real capital am, J stuff. <laughs> I am obsessed with roller skating, and it literally goes back to my days growing up here in Dallas. We had a place called Texas Stadium, and we had the lock ins, and you know, your parents would drop you off on a Friday night, and that's where you'd hang out. With all yes. Places, where I got I my first kiss, like, you know, like just full oh disclosure, my gosh. Right there, you know? And so, um, when I'm obviously on Instagram and discovery, I'm seeing all these girls skating and, you know, like bounce skating. And I'm like, I used to do that. Like, and, you know, during the pandemic, just trying to get a bike, as you guys know, uh, I know here in Dallas, at least I couldn't get a bike to save my life. Not at Walmart, Target, uh, Dick's Sporting Goods, Amazon. And so when I would see these roller skaters for like five months, I tried to get roller skates and my sister is six years younger than me and, you know, wasn't really there during the middle school years, my formative years at the skating rink. So I don't think she really realized that I, how much I love skating and that I actually can get on eight wheels. And so we were joking that I couldn't find these. And for Christmas, I'll be darned, I open up my Christmas gift. And not only has she provided me with these uh elusive roller skates but they're light up roller skates yeah. and so even at the age of 40 and it's funny i have a brother and a sister she's six years younger my brother and i are here at 11 days apart none of us have kids none of us are married so we still go to christmas as if we're kids it's dysfunctional we probably need to be in family therapy but <laughs> like we always like to play with our toys and i it was the best christmas i ever had because of those roller skates so the other day, I have this, you know, small condo here in Dallas. I just rolled up the carpet and I was like, you know, I'm going to bounce skate my living room. And I got to tell you, I woke up yesterday to go to like one of my boutique like run classes and my quads and my inner thighs and my legs highly recommend one of the best workouts. So fun. And then I completely fangirl geeked out. There's a girl on Instagram at Neon Keon. She, I like tagged her in a video and she reached out to me and she's teaching like bounce skate classes on <laughs> my off season. That's what I'll be doing. So I'm not on TikTok. Uh, cause I'm always, I am always the latest to the trends. Like I was the last person on Facebook, last person on Instagram, last person to post a reel. I'm probably going to be the last person to jump on TikTok. but yeah, that's going to be my content. This whole off season is bounce skating. 
listen to me, do not download TikTok. I love the app, but it'll reach parts of your brain that you didn't know existed. You're like, wait, I didn't know that I liked X, Y, and Z, but TikTok somehow realizes that I like that. And now it's algorithm has picked it up. And now these are the only videos that I see. It's, it's really, it's, it's a great app, but it'll reach parts of your brain that you didn't know uh, you could tap into. Also, I am also from Texas, from Colleyville, and you just tapped into a part of my brain that I forgot about. I forgot about Skate Town. I was not, I was long and gangly. And so I was kind of the person that was skating along the lines uh, or along the wall, kind of just shifting my feet back and forth. So uh, yeah, I wasn't a great skater, but um, yeah, you Jack, tapped into you a skater? Me? No, I'm um, <laughs> Georgia, I'm not not Texas, making Georgia here. And um, no, I just went to the skate rink to see the girls. That was that was it, huh? You know, that was it. I mean, you know, I would like walk around on the skates on the carpet because I didn't want to fall because the rink is actually hard. So yeah, I'd walk around the outskirts on the carpet, and then you know, you just kind of you know, hey girl, how you doing? That kind of thing. So yeah, skating. No, if if she wanted a guy who skated, I was probably not going to be that guy. <laughs> If she wanted the guy who was on the carpet on the skates, that was me. Listen, I one of my buddies, one of my buddies who owns restaurants and bars here in Dallas has a concept where he's, you know, we have bowling alleys for adults and you can go and like get food and drinks, whatever. He's literally considering bringing this concept. And I said, I don't have a lot of money to invest, but what I have goes all to you. Yeah. I will literally be your front person i'll be there every weekend like just bring this into my life uh because if the pandemic's taught us anything it's you know i found more creative ways to have fun than just going sitting at the bar and having a cocktail these days so yeah Absolutely. Um, all right, Jane, let's get into a little football talk. Hopefully the, the ice has been broken here. Uh, you were at last weekend's game, um, you know, not the result that the Saints wanted falling to the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, but what were your thoughts coming into the game? You know, the whole Breeze Brady thing, what were your thoughts coming into the game? And then uh, your thoughts, obviously, after the loss? Well, to peel the curtain back a bit, you know, typically I do a lot of Cowboys, but Saints has been one of those, Saints and Titans are one of those teams that I've picked up over the years. And I've done a lot of Saints games and you guys are honestly one of my favorite beats. Like when I come to town, I get legitimately excited to see Luke, Brett, uh, Mike, you guys, uh, Kat, Amy, like go down the list. It's just, it's such a fun beat. I love the players they have, you know, that coach Peyton allows them to have their authentic personalities. Um, they're just they just feel so authentically New Orleans to me. There's a there's a flavor in the food and a flavor in that locker room. So it's I, it's a treat for me when I get to leave Dallas and come and cover the Saints. And so my first assignment this year, I mean, I didn't get training camp with you guys. I did a couple of the Zooms and OTAs and free agency. But my very first game was Christmas Day, which, by the way, New Orleans is fantastic during Christmas. I'd never been to New Orleans during Christmas uh, I escaped my hotel just for a little bit to go to the Roosevelt and have a Christmas cocktail. Guys, the Christmas cookie is a whole nother thing. It's a whole <laughs> world. I feel like my taste buds like erupted. What a cool, and like the way they decorate the hotel, so cool. And so we go to the game and I had to leave ahead of the start of that. So I'm watching Alvin Kamara's six touchdowns on my flight and during my layover in Denver, because I had to anchor Good Morning Football that Saturday and then get back on the Cowboys beat. So it was like this like nine hour turnaround from New Orleans to waking up for the morning show. And so I hadn't seen what it really 
felt like to be in the Superdome without all the fans. Mm. Y'all, it is a game changer. Yeah. It really is. And the best way I can describe it is I was there for the Rams playoff loss. You know, when I'm sitting up in the press box and you guys know it's the, you know, your press boxes and the tables, you know, they're, they're mounted to the wall. But as I'm writing, it was like a seismograph because it was so loud in the stadium. And it's one of my favorite memories of the Superdome. And then five minutes before the end of the game, it felt like the Saints had it. We go down the elevator as we typically do, and we're allowed out on the field five minutes prior to the end. And of course, that is, you know, when the game ended and it felt like everyone just sucked the air out of the stadium. And it felt like that for four quarters of that game is the best way that I can describe it. And I just, I, when I'm logging in the game as I typically do, and I'm just writing incomplete, 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 it was like Drew just didn't have the juice. And I just, I find myself wondering, and this is gonna sound sacrilegious, I find myself wondering just as Taysom would give Breeze a breather or give some juice or almost He'll never admit it because I know that he's a fan of Taysom and the dynamic and how his game evolved. But I felt like because the whole week leading up to that game, we talked about how everything was competitive with him from paper, rock, scissors to darts to basketball. Every time you put Taysom in there, it fires the juice a little bit. Mm -hmm. And not that Brady doesn't fire the juice, but I I just have to wonder, like you had him, Jameis Winston, the 56 yard bomb, you know, that amazing wildcat play they copied from Chicago. If you'd put him in there for one more play, or just another. And I'm not saying take the game away from Drew, but I'm just saying like, Jameis, could he have given you a little bit of juice? I know they had at least two more packages in there. I know they did. Yeah. And so I, I just find myself wondering, could you have given Drew another day? And how about his last game being at Lambeau? And even if he had lost to Aaron, because even when I look at Tom Brady, Aaron's record at Lambeau is ridiculous. Even if it had been that snowy conditions at Lambeau just felt so much better for me and Bree's legacy than him walking away to like, there might've been what 500 fans still left in the stands at that point. Mm -hmm. And as he does that final glance in the back, it just didn't feel right. I wanted my retirement video. I wanted that place full. I wanted a hero send off. And Tony Romo had a very similar end in Dallas. And I know, again, sacrilegious even compare their careers. But he got it when he came back as Tony Romo, the announcer, you know, and he cried and you had the, I don't want that for Drew. Drew deserved, he helped turn around that city after Katrina. He is so woven into the fabric. And it just, I felt like we just can't have nice things with the 2020 <laughs> year or the 2020 season. And I wanted better for Drew. That's all I'm saying. Yeah. You know, when you look at the Saints, and I guess now we have to almost kind of put it into this four-year era, you know, four straight division championships, and yet not the playoff success that they're looking for. How sustainable, though, is this model for the Saints, you know, whether or not Drew Brees remains? I think it's incredible. The one thing that I find so remarkable about the Saints is how many teams get back. In other words to lose the games the way you did the miracle in Minnesota, the the Rams game last year, and then this year. And this was the most complete team I feel like Drew has had under center. And the way the Saints battled through so much adversity at so many positions of importance. You know, I found myself sometimes when we talk in Dallas about the Cowboys and it was just like enough. 
close the door. <laughs> Look what they're doing in New Orleans and the record they have and the creativity and the innovation. And how about the play of the defense? Like, I don't feel like Dennis Allen truly got enough credit for what he was able to do or Ryan Nielsen. Uh, I mean, that defense was playing lights out. But I think offensively, finding ways in Alvin Kamara's absence to have, you know, guys like Latavius Murray step up and then Traquan Smith, what a year he had. You know, Michael Thomas, you signed with this big deal and he was sort of a non-factor this year and that's not a slap on him. He dealt with the injury and, you know, obviously the issue with Chauncey Gardner-Johnson at the end of the year, but this team just gets through it. And that I think, there's a lot of teams that are mentally weak or the culture in the locker room isn't right. And again, I compare this to Dallas, the pH balance in that locker room was acidic this year. You have removed pieces from that locker room. Mark Ingram, to me, was one of the biggest because of who he is. And I would love it if somehow, some way, New Orleans could find a way to bring Ingram back. I think that'd be very intriguing. I, I don't know if they can get it done. He'd have to do a veteran minimum. But, like, that's the guy that, that when he was removed from the locker room, I did question, can they come back? Just because you saw what he did in Lamar and with Lamar Jackson in that locker room. But I think it starts with the head coach. And again, that's why I kept slamming the Cowboys this year because I looked at the Kevin Stefanski's of the world and, you know, uh, these newer coaches that came in and, the, and even Cliff Kingsbury, the way they were able to get the players to buy in and change their culture early in their career, Sean McVay, uh, that didn't happen in Dallas. Sean has found a way, I think most importantly, because you can teach an old dog new tricks, he's involved with the team. And Drew spoke on that last week about you know, the, the forethought of bringing in the loudest boom boxes in the locker room, the smoke machine, creating the club-like environment. And there's a time to play and there's a time to work. And this team seems to know how to do it. I think if you've got core guys like Cam, Demario, Alvin Kamara, you're going to be fine. So it's a long-winded way of saying, I've had the opportunity to cover so many different teams and that culture, that coach, that locker room is special and it's unique. And I think obviously you're, there's a lot of like spots you're going to have to backfill. And I think that lots of Dan Campbell is a big deal. I mean, look at the way he's come out in the scene. Like we're sort of getting an insight into who he is and like how he gets his guys to play. Um, but I, I think they're going to be okay. I think they're going to be okay. Yeah. Yeah. I'm, the, the Sean Payton of 2006 definitely is an evolution uh, to the guy here. Cause that guy would, run you in the ground and probably not care if you were in the ground <laughs> as he yeah. tried to set, set the stage for what he wanted his team to be. Uh, but you mentioned Ryan Nielsen, uh, who was linked to the LSU job. I think everyone knows that back with the Saints on a three-year extension. Um, just what do you know about that situation? I love the battle in the boot. <laughs> <laughs> that was very, very real. Uh, Coach O and Ryan Nielsen obviously have a great relationship. Um, that was a job that Ryan wanted. Uh, and this wasn't petty. I think a lot of people thought this was petty Peyton um, wanting to, to make sure that Ryan wasn't happy and Coach O didn't get his guy. Coach Peyton values Ryan Nielsen that much and he wants him in the building. And so I think they were able to hash it out. Um, I think they were able to come to, I think they were able to ask each other key questions. What's important to you? My favorite book is the seven habits of highly, of highly effective people and think with the end in mind. I think both of them did that. And, um, as you guys can only imagine, 
Uh, Ryan Nielsen probably didn't have the greatest day as those discussions went on. But as it was uh, explained to me, everyone feels really good about that decision and excited about the resolution of it. So to put that to bed, it wasn't the pettiness. I think if anything, it just solidified what this organization is, how they value their people. I mean, you don't see the continuity on a coaching staff the way you see in New Orleans. And so when I see these national insiders or reporters talking about, you know, the Saints are losing all of their people and, you know, everyone's jumping ship. I'm like, the narrative is wrong here. I mean, you heard Terry Fontenot talking about Mickey Loomis when he left. I think it's hard for people to leave because they do realize that it is special what they're doing there. And I, I think there's a real love from Ms. Benson. I think there's a respect for her. I think they want to get her one. Um, and I think Mickey and Sean work. And so I, I, again, when I, when I read all of this stuff about people jumping, I'm like, you guys have got it wrong. There's a lot of teams where that's happening, but I don't feel like New Orleans is one of those. And do you think, Jane, that that culture will remain even with the departure of some of those, you know, coaches, front office, personnel, things like that? I mean, we talk about culture and that it comes from the top and Sean Payton, even with the departure of some of those people, do you think that culture remains intact because maybe of, you know, the players or the, the personnel that you still have within the Saints organization? I think the one thing that you can say about Sean Payton and Mickey Loomis, if you just look at their roster over the years, the way troubled players have seemingly not been troubled players when they come to New Orleans. Like I look at the guys like Jeremy Shockey and Adrian Peterson and, you know, like guys that had these, Des Bryant, guys that had narratives about them, they come into that locker room and they realize how special it is. It's not a major market. So you don't have this, you know, it's, when Randall Cobb came to Dallas, he said, this is playoff coverage. I mean, every day is like that. It's not like that in New Orleans. You guys are, it's a small fraternity sorority. But I think the one thing I can say about that organization is they're very good talent evaluators. And I think they're going to do a really good job of bringing in the right coaches and the right players. That's just, I don't question that about that team. Yeah, absolutely. Well, Jane, last question before we let you go. Um, you know, you were in the Superdome for that final game for uh, Breeze exiting the game. You know, he, you mentioned him looking back at, at the kind of empty stadium, which was sad. Um, but also we saw after the game, he was on the field playing with his sons and his daughter for, um, you know, a few snaps, really for like an hour and a half after the game. He was with his wife, Brittany. Um, what do you remember about seeing that on the field after the game? Well, I remember getting absolutely scooped by my coworker. That's what I remember. I had the Saints, he had the Bucks. A good reporter stays till the lights turn off. And I had been there since 7 a.m. Um, the day before I've been there since, I mean, it was like a, you know, it was like a 14 hour day. The day before it was like 15 and that's no excuses. I mean, I literally should be fired for not getting that video. Um, but James walked down there. I had spent like 10 minutes and I was like, surely, you know, Breeze is going to go out the back. My instincts told me, because I saw it with Jason Garrett in Dallas, you know, you see it with certain, you see how this thing goes if you start to cover the game long enough. They're going to go out there, right? That's what Breel and Jason Garrett did when, when we knew, like, it was coming to an end. And so James was out there, and I think it was like an hour and a half after the game, maybe. Yeah. Um, he caught Breeze and Brady in what I just consider just the best example to journalists and uh, other reporters, you know, just stay for that one last shot. Like it was so iconic. And I'd sent the video to Brittany, Drew's wife, and it just meant so much to her because I think 
you know, she and I have talked about when you go to the Pro Bowl, these kids are such, I mean, they're football freaks. And Drew and I talked about in the Zoom last week how this, how this means so much more now to them and how he sort of comes home and has to get over it because the kids, they don't truly like grasp it. One day, Braylon's going to remember catching that pass from Brady on his dad's last game and seeing his dad appreciate the moment instead of being so reflective about how it ended. And I just, it was gutting for me, but she said that, you know, these cameras sort of came out of, of nowhere and these Bucks players are walking by and she was just hoping nothing was hanging out. Like, I just, I loved that about her because I think so, so many of us would be worried about that, but I, it makes me sad. Cause I just, I feel like they authentically love that city and they love that building and the kids at their age. I mean, if you can go back to when you were 10, 11, you don't fully appreciate those moments. And I just love that that moment was caught on tape for them. Like that to me was, that was a bittersweet bow on a really tough day. Yeah. Hey, this is an aside, but you mentioned the Breeze boys at the Pro Bowl. I will miss that because there was nobody hit harder at the Pro Bowl than the Breeze boys. Because um, <laughs> there's no actual tackling in the game. So those dudes roughhoused it. And I mean, you know, Drew just let them have at it. You know, God bless him. Because I felt like they were going to kill each other at some point. I mean, you know, there seemed to be a concussion or a broken bone or something on the way. And and they and the and the and the daughter, she's going to be a tough one too. She's the next Ronda Rousey. Rousey. Yeah. I mean, that girl's yeah. Gina Carano. She's Ronda Rousey. I mean, yeah. that chick. I, that's why when I joked when I put out, I like retweeted a video of like Drew and Brittany at the end. I mean, some so many times like the wives are the unsung heroes, right? Like. Like even in our day-to-day -day job in Caroline, like I'm not married. So like when I go on the road and I come home, I've got expense reports. Like right. my place needs to be, like I've got bills to pay. Like I don't have somebody, I don't have somebody in my corner. And when I think of these players, I mean, they are so locked in and so maniacal and he's such a process. I mean, the way he warms up just pregame is exhausting. And she not only just loves him and seemingly supports him so infinitely, but then has those four kids to like with boundless energy at home. I mean, even when he's throwing the footballs at the kids on the couch, I'm like, can we give her the real MVP speech at his hall of fame? Like Kevin, just duplicate Kevin Durant, insert, insert Brittany instead of mama. Like right. I literally, I've seen her at these pro bowls. And I'm like, every time I find myself wanting kids, I'm like, God, you a real one. You a real one, Brittany. <laughs> Jane, Jane, don't you ever again in life understate the importance of the expense report. Oh my God. It's a, it because is that is some of the most creative writing that a writer can have. So don't you ever, ever, ever understate that. Don't do that again, ever. Oh, it's the worst. First world problems. I really need to shut up. Yeah. Drew, it's so funny because I'm sure Brittany like gets the kids like lying down for bed and in their PJs and Drew comes home and is like, all right, let's play. Let's get oh, it. Yeah. Like, all right. Well, I, you just undid three hours of work. Thanks exactly. a lot. And I, for one, cannot wait to see Balaam Breeze when he grows up because he's going to be like a Tyler hero. Like he's going to have so much swag about him that you don't even know what to do with him. That's I'm calling it now. I'm calling it now. He was so cavalier just catching the pass from Tom Brady after sending his dad home. Like what a savage. Yeah. <laughs> and doing the gritty in the in the sweet. I mean, an absolute little savage. Uh, all right. Well, NFL Network's Jane Slater. Jane, we appreciate your time. Uh, sorry that the result wasn't what we all wanted on Sunday, but uh, again, appreciate you coming on, and hopefully, we're talking soon. 
Thanks for having me on. Appreciate it, guys. NFL Network's Jane Slater joining us on the show. Appreciate her time. I feel like we could have gone on for hours and hours, but uh, we were on a bit of a time crunch today. Um, But thanks again to Jane for coming on the show. If you missed Sean Payton's conference call on Thursday, be sure to go to NewOrleansSaints.com. It was his end-of-season conference call. We have not only the audio, but we have the transcript available for you on NewOrleansSaints.com, so be sure to go and check that out. Uh, A lot of insight from Sean Payton on the coaching staff decisions, on Drew Brees, uh, a lot of information coming out of Sean Payton. I believe the conference call was nearly like 30 minutes or maybe 20 minutes or something like that, Uh, but significantly longer than most of his conference calls so uh, be sure to tune into that as always we will have more information for you throughout the week on neworleansaints.com and the saints app be sure you have that saints app downloaded and your push notifications turned on that is the best way to be updated with everything you know involving the saints all right for caroline gonzalez john DeShazer, james slater thanks for